the show you love with even more local news and more local reactions. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And a wonderful Monday afternoon to you. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we get things going the beginning of the week here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, it's just my honor and privilege uh, to be with you Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Let's get right to it today. We have the privilege of having on uh, our line right now, live with us, the Sheriff of Stanislaus County, Sheriff Jeff Dirksy. Uh, Sheriff, welcome. Great to have you with us today. Uh, well, thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. Let's uh, begin with your overall, let's call it a state of the county uh, assessment right now. How are we doing law enforcement wise in Stanislaus County? We are at the county level. Uh, we are in a really uh, overall pretty strong position. Uh, at the sheriff's office, our, our collectively our staffing is in the best spot it has been in over a decade. Uh, we kind of have the, the two sides, at least um, in the law enforcement realm of our operations staff and then our, our adult detention staff, the jail staff. Uh, our ops staff, uh, about a month ago, we were actually full for about two weeks, and then we had some retirements. Um, and so we're, we're filling those right now. And our jail staff, is, it is a little bit lower, um, but it is actually kind of historically in line with where it has been. Uh, so they're, they're not quite as strong as the op side right now. But uh, really, as, as a whole, we are in a really strong position. We've been able to uh, restore a lot of positions in the last few years. I know that's been a challenge uh, over the years, so that's good. Good news. Uh, how are we doing in terms of enforcement? What, what do you see that's good happening in the county, and where are some areas that we may need to improve upon? Well, we have uh, the good side. Um, we have uh, with the staffing, we have been able to restore a lot of detective positions, Um you know, patrol has always stayed generally consistent. That that's our, I guess I'll call it our bread and butter, our must do on the op side. Uh, but detectives is where a lot of our growth has come. So we have added uh, a variety of detective positions. Some in like our major crimes unit. Uh, we have added a human trafficking detective, an arson investigator, uh, more guys in the gang and drug unit. Uh, restored the community uh, resource unit. And so all of that has really allowed us to do more of the bigger investigations um, that some of them may not even really hit the media, uh, but, you know, we've taken down uh, a lot of illegal marijuana growers, fentanyl dealers, human traffickers, uh, murder suspects, etc. So that has been going very well and, uh, as a general rule of thumb, has... Um, really uh, generally kept our crime stats in a, a really in a pretty good spot. So we're very, very happy um, for that. In the arena of where can we do more? Well, you know, we're never happy here. We can always do more. Um, it, specifically in the detective realm, we need to add some more property crimes detectives, um, you know, that 
let's face it, that the majority of the people in our community that are going to be the victims of a crime are going to be the victims of some sort of property crime, right? Their home gets broken into, their car gets stolen, something gets stolen from their backyard, whatever the case may be. Uh, we need to improve our staffing there. Um, we are also going to add here, hopefully in the next couple of months, what we call a threat assessment detectives. Um, and they are, they kind of have two different lines of operation. Um, one is to go after, say, some of these crazy folks that may pop up on social media, you know, that person that's maybe talking about shooting up a school or a workplace, right, to put in the work to go after them. Uh, and then the other one is uh, they will also deal with those folks that either we arrest, maybe we take them for a mental evaluation, and they're just kind of building over time. Uh, we just had an arrest over the weekend of one of our prime su subjects for that, where they're out there, they're breaking the law, uh, they clearly have some sort of mental issue, and we need to get them taken care of. Now, whether they ultimately go to jail or prison or they get some sort of civil commitment for mental health issues, at some level, I don't care which it is, uh, but they are causing a lot of problems for our community, and so we're going to you know, add some staff specifically to address some of those folks. Interesting you mentioned that. Governor Newsom, uh, as you, I'm sure you know, has uh, proposed uh, a new plan for dealing with homelessness, and uh, a lot of it deals with mental illness. Uh, can you talk about what you see as far as coming out of Sacramento or maybe more of what you would like to see coming out of Sacramento to help you do your job when you're dealing with people with mental illness? I don't know that we have enough time on today's show for all of that, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, there's there's there are several things that are either proposed in Sacramento or pending in Sacramento. Many of which I think are fairly counterproductive. I have on my desk right now oh, it's about a half an inch thick packet of all the new legislation that's out there that's pending, and you know, kind of a synopsis of it. And most of it is is not good. Uh, as we look across the state and we see what's impacting us, uh, I would tell you what we need is exactly some of the opposite um, as to what what is proposed. You know, so it, it's kind of subsided now, but, you know, several months ago, we saw those smash and grabs, right? You know, 10, 20, 50 people breaking into a store, grabbing stuff and taking off. There are some legislators that are trying to to help by getting a lot of the, you know, the monetary threshold for those reduced back to the $400. That's the kind of stuff that we need. Um, you know, people are committing crimes. They need to go to jail. They need to go to prison. And I won't say that they need to be locked up and the key thrown away. That may be appropriate, very appropriate for some of them. But, you know, so some of them uh, can certainly potentially be rehabilitated but well, a lot of what we see coming out of Sacramento is going in the opposite direction, is reducing the penalties for crimes. And I would say we're not there. We need to actually increase the penalties. You know, take grand theft from 950 back to $400. That's the kind of stuff that we need to help us, you know, help the cops on the street. You know, because if it's a misdemeanor, uh, yeah, they can get arrested. Um, the DA's office may not even have the capacity to prosecute them. And if they are prosecuted, they're probably going to do very little, if any time, in jail. 
So we we need to up some penalties. Now on that that mental health front, there is some good there are some good ideas out there. Um, that that's for sure. There you know when we talk homelessness specifically, I will tell you that the vast majority of our homeless have some sort of either mental health or addiction issue, and that absolutely we need to have better ways to address that. Um, but a lot of it can't be voluntary, you know, because they're, if we truly want to help them and help our community, we're going to have to look at uh, more things, you know, involuntary civil type of commitment so that these folks get the help that they need and allows us to clean up the community the way it needs to be. It seems to us, Sheriff Dirksy, as as we look at the landscape of California, and, and we're keeping tabs on what's happening with uh, D.A. George Gascon down in L.A., uh, with uh, uh, Chase Bodine in San Francisco and such, and there just seems to be a, 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 a gaggle of D.A.s right now that, that think that the less penalties we provide will improve the situation. Let, let's talk a little bit about how... Uh, penalties that are in place and are enforced can deter crime. It seems like they're not quite in that mindset. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, maybe two years ago now, I just distinctly remember a conversation with one of my deputies, and uh, he worked in one of our custodial facilities, and he said, you know, every time that a heroin addict gets sentenced to 30 days in jail for being a heroin addict, he said, I believe that we just added a year to that person's life um, because they get in, they get healthier, they get at clean, at least for a period of time, and they have an opportunity to change if that's what they want to do. And, you know, sentencing someone to a facility, to whether it's jail or prison, I get it. Nobody wants to be deprived of their freedom. I totally understand that. But we also have to take into account uh, the victims that are out there. You know, so a lot of our drug cases, the victim is technically the state of California. But these are the people that are out there, right? They're stealing to support their habit. They're creating an unsafe community. They're creating um, an unaesthetically pleasing community. And ultimately, they are harming themselves. So if we truly want to help them, yeah, drug treatment would be everyone. Voluntary drug treatment would be everyone's preference. But if we want to help them and help our community, a lot of them need to get sentenced. And we see the same thing with many other crimes. You know, this idea of, oh, if they steal something, they shouldn't, you know, they just need some help or some counseling. No, there's also a victim for that. And where are the victims' rights? I think that is so forgotten in some of our conversations around criminal justice reform that, you know, a lot of this stuff is in place to protect the victims, and we need to uh, bring some of the focus back on those who have been victimized and uh, holding their offenders accountable. And when they're accountable and in jail or some other type of program that is, you know, that they're committed to, uh, they can get help there. It, it, the truth is, it can be a win-win for everybody. 
And that's what we're looking for. We're visiting with Stanislaus County Sheriff Jeff Dirksy. Uh, Sheriff, uh, we have a couple of minutes left. Let's talk about the lingering effects of Prop 47 and uh, how you face that, how you deal with it. Of course, uh, recently, uh, Kevin Kiley and I think some others have made some attempts to, uh, if not do away with uh, Prop 47, at least to uh, take it down a couple of notches. How does that make your job harder? And and would you like to see Prop 47 mostly go away? Yes, 100%. Um, I think Prop 47 was at some level a false bill of goods, that the way it was written and advertised, people thought it was not what it is. Um, and we still see the effects of that. You know, it, I spoke about it earlier, right? The idea of grand theft is now $950. The threshold is $950 to make it a felony. It used to be $400. I don't know about you, but I don't want, you know, uh, anything stolen from me. And if you steal something, you know, $500 or more, it is certainly going to have an impact. Um and it, what it does, I think, in that criminal element is it gives them a sense of entitlement, a sense of protection. Uh, you know, there are no real consequences for them. So why, shouldn't, why should they stop? Because there, there's no real consequence. So Prop 47, uh, maybe not all of it, but the vast majority of it needs to go away and be reformed. You know, the other thing that we see, and it's twofold, uh, with our victims in the community, a lot of them stop reporting stuff because mm. they hear that and they think, well, why would, why would it matter? Why would I waste the cops' time? And at some level, they'll be up front. A lot of the cops are like, you know, I'm going to put in all of this work. I'm going to go make an arrest. And this is a no knock on the DA's office. It's a capacity issue. But you know, a lot of these cases aren't going to get prosecuted either because there simply is not enough time to get them all through the court process, especially as we come out of COVID with the backlog that we have. Got about a minute or two left. Uh, Sheriff Jeff Dirksy from Stanislaus County is our guest. Uh, Sheriff, uh, a parting word to our listeners. What can the public do right now? What would you encourage them to do in terms of being proactive in uh, partnering with the Sheriff's Department to reduce crime and and create safe neighborhoods? Uh, I think a couple of things. One, do not stop reporting crimes. Uh, even if you think it's a minor issue, uh, you can do it online. You can call and request a deputy, a CSO. Let us come out and do the investigation. That's what we're here for. So don't stop reporting crimes because those crime stats are one of the factors that we use in assigning resources to neighborhoods. The other major request that I would have is if you want a safe community, reach out to um the Board of Supervisors, your city council, they can't change the legislation, but let them know that you want law enforcement funded, um, which uh, in our county we have strong support. So I'm very thankful for that. But I think most importantly then, reach out to your state legislators, state senators, state assemblymen, and tell them we want this stuff changed. You know, they work for the people and uh, the more they hear from their constituents, the better. The more ammunition that they have to make positive impacts 
potentially in Sacramento. Now, I will. I know both of our local, current local assemblymen quite well. They are both very um, moderate, conservative, whether they're Republican or Democrat is irrelevant, and they strongly support keeping a safe community. Uh, but, you know, write other assemblymen, senators, uh, assemblywomen, whatever the case may be, and let them know that some of these decisions that they're making are having a negative, a serious negative impact for our state. Great wisdom. Uh, Stanislaus County Sheriff Jeff Dirksy, always appreciate you taking time to visit with us. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, and uh, thank you for the job you do. And please pass that along to your deputies as well. We appreciate you and support all of you here on, uh, here on the Mike Douglas Show. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time, and uh, I'm happy to come back anytime you'd like. Absolutely. We'll look forward to that. Again, our guest has been Sheriff Jeff Dirksy from Stanislaus County Sheriff's Department. Appreciate his time and, and his wisdom today very much. Hey, when it comes to selling your home these days, I don't know about you, I need an expert. I need an expert to help me out. My go-to guy is Dan Phipps. Now, good reasons right now to sell. Prices are up, inventory's low, future interest rates, who knows, they're uncertain. So maybe you have a growing family or you're working from home and you need more space. Well, call the real estate agent I trust, Dan Phipps. Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system, he guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or Dan will sell it for free. Isn't that an amazing deal? His home selling program is designed to maximize your sale price. You're in complete control and no required costly repairs. No long-term contracts. Again, no required costly repairs. You pick your move date and Dan can even find to a new home before you move. Carrie and Melissa in Merced, they tell us that due to some recent life changes, they needed to sell in a hurry, but they also needed full value for their home. They heard about Dan Phipps' guaranteed sale program. They called him up, gave him the job, and day one, they say, Dan launched into action. They say he sold our home in days and got us $30,000 more than the same house only a block away. So listen, call Dan Phipps. Dan's the man I recommend. He's the guy I will hire to sell my own home when that time comes. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-840-6378 or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S, Dot com And the Mike Douglas Show will continue in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show. On Power Talk, 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation. Uh, so much appreciate Stanislaus County Sheriff Jeff Dirksy spending some time with us today. And we'll take some time to react to uh, some of the things that we discussed with him in uh, just a few moments after the bottom of the hour. First of all, though, want to check on what's going up in Sacramento. Uh, anytime... 
there's activity up there. I always wait with bated, bated breath and sometimes cringe at what I hear. Uh, this uh, just in from reporter Ashley Zavala reporting that Governor Gavin Newsom has signed a new executive order directing State Water Board to consider a ban on watering decorative lawns and business at businesses and institutions and urges local water suppliers to move further with water saving efforts and uh, as well what's happening up in Sacramento today i believe this was supposed to get underway at about 2:30 today uh capital uh, democrats uh, finally agreed to have a conversation with their Republican counterparts about lowering gas prices. Not sure of what happened with that, but again, that was uh, slated. Uh, That hearing was slated to happen today at about 2.30. Also, uh, there is a, a report that came out from the California Tax Foundation earlier this month, and they're saying that California has a budget surplus of about $45.7 billion. Yeah, $45.7 billion. And so my question is, why isn't a large part of that going to fix the water problem so we we can survive a drought? We can do that, but we have to have the resources, the reservoirs and stuff, the means uh, to uh, to survive those droughts right Right now, we don't because California administrations and legislatures and governors have kicked the can down the road for decades now. And here we sit. And it's very frustrating to me if indeed we have $45.7 billion in budget surplus. Why is not a lot of that going to water uh, conservation? We'll talk about that and uh, about our interview with Sheriff Dirksy coming up in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Local talk is back in the valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Monday afternoon, beginning the week here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And uh, quite quite a weekend. Yes, I know there was... uh, an award ceremony, I guess, last night. Wasn't going to talk about it, uh, but there's there's something, an event occurred that you're probably aware of that I do want to talk about because I think it's worthy uh, to talk about the um, morality involved, the ethics involved, uh, what a real man is, etc. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. First, though, I want to react uh, a bit to a, a great interview we had uh, just a few moments ago with Jeff Dirksy. He's the sheriff of Stanislaus County and uh, want to provide you with the opportunity to react as well. We'll open up the phones now, 209-551-3483. Again, I'll offer you the opportunity to react as I will be to what we heard from Sheriff Dirksy. Area code 209 551 Three, uh, on the good news side, I was very happy to hear that staffing in general is in pretty good shape. Uh, 
He talked about the fact that his operations staff was uh, full until a couple of retirements uh, ago. And, of course, that's always an issue. There's always attrition. There are always people retiring. But it was good to hear that we had a full complement of operations staff. He says uh, the custodial staff uh, dealing with uh, the jail system uh, could use some beefing up in terms of uh, extra personnel. And uh, he talked about the fact that uh, they're looking at more uh, detective positions. Glad to hear that uh, in terms of those detective positions, they're looking at emphases on human trafficking. You know, that's a, that's an amazing thing. It, it's like the under, underbelly of society. Human trafficking is a big issue here in the Central Valley, here in, uh, and up in Sacramento as well. I uh, often don't hear a lot about it. Uh, there's a, a local nonprofit that uh, deals with that and has done a wonderful job of, of raising awareness. But human trafficking is a big issue, and it's a big issue down at our border as well. And it's something that apparently a lot of legislators in Sacramento and in Washington, D.C. are tone deaf to, apparently, because it's uh, not on their radar screen and they don't talk about it much and they don't seem to address it much in terms of uh, their uh, their legislations, their bills that they're trying to pass. And by the way, I think it's very interesting, especially as, as we come up to November 2022, to the midterm elections, especially here in California, I have made it uh, a habit of late to look at the websites of various legislators here, both here in California, in the Senate and the uh, Assembly, as well as in Washington, D.C., in the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate as well. Most of them have a tab there on their websites for press releases or for the media. I, I can tell a lot about what a legislator is doing by his or her press releases. When we have the border falling apart and legislators are putting out press releases about other things that uh, are, are being used to call attention to themselves, to pat themselves on the back, and they're not addressing some of these crucial issues, it tells me something. Now, what you do with it is up to you. I might encourage you to do that once in a while. Check out, especially legislators in your area, whether they be state or federal, Check them out. Check out their press releases online. See what they're talking about. See what their press releases, see what the content addresses. If, it's, if, if they're not addressing the issues of the day that matter for you or to you, November 2022 is coming up. Use that to put it in your matrix as you decide who you're going to vote for or not come November. So again, happy to hear that there's a lot of emphasis on uh, human trafficking in terms of detective uh, positions with the Stanislaus County Sheriff's Department and also an emphasis on gangs. Always happy to hear that as well. We talked to the sheriff about improvements. Uh, He talked about property crimes. He could use more detectives uh, dedicated to property crimes that I don't care where you go. Property crimes are always, uh, it just takes a lot of time, a lot of paperwork, or a lot of gigabytes, depending on on how you look at it. 
And uh, and then uh, he talked about an interesting uh, focus for detectives right now, and that is or are threat assessments. And, and when, as he unpacked that, uh, he was talking about uh, folks with mental illness that are prone to violence and repeat offenders uh, who may be suffering from uh, mental illness as well. And, and the issue is the threat. And how do we assess that and how do we best deal with those folks to get them help, but also uh, to protect the public from the violent offenders as well? And that, that there's no easy answer there. And as he uh, told us, Sacramento and the policies coming out of the governor's office and the state legislature uh, to him uh, don't appear to be helping much. Uh, in fact, he, he talked about the fact that he has a stack of uh, summary papers on his desk right now looking at uh, new legislation that was passed by the California legislature this, uh, this past year that went into effect in, in January. And again, I, I always, I, I sometimes wish, and, and maybe there's a downside to this I'm not seeing, I don't know, you might let me know, I sometimes wish we had a part-time legislature that that met maybe once every other year or maybe just met for three to six months. And whatever they they have to do, they have to get done in that period. Having a full-time 365, well, mostly, I know they take breaks, but having a full-time legislature where you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, uh, over a thousand often, New bills come into the fore every year, to me, is counterproductive. Hard to keep up with the bills anyway, and a lot of them are, I believe, counterproductive and uh, and useless. So uh, the sheriff was saying uh, most of the bills that he's looking at are not good. In fact, uh, he's recommending maybe the opposite would, uh, would, be, uh, would be good. Uh, he talked about the importance of appropriate penalties. And the fact, and I, I mentioned, you know, the fact that especially on this show, we've we've been keeping tabs on what's happening in L.A. County with uh, George Gascon, the district attorney there, in San Francisco with uh, Chase Bodine, the the D.A. there, and how there are D.A.s across the state who feel that uh, it really it's a it's a matter of putting more emphasis on the offender than on the victims. And uh, so we're looking forward to seeing that uh, there, there might be some action uh, taking, uh, taken up with that. Uh, talked about uh, homelessness, uh, referred to the, uh, the bill or the proposal anyway, from Governor Newsom. And uh, he said, you know, there's, uh, there's pluses or, or minuses to that. Uh, talked about the fact that, you know, grand theft used to be $950 in California. Now it's uh, uh, $400, and, or, or it was $400, now it's $950. And, and so what that does is it basically gives uh, the bad guys and gals license to, uh, uh, to steal. Uh, without much of any penalties at all. And uh, lastly, he was talking about the importance of us 
or we as citizens, to keep reporting crimes, even if we think it's a nothing burger, so to speak, keep reporting those crimes and uh, to put consistent pressure on our state legislators and asking them to make changes in the law like Prop 47 and, uh, and, and enhance some of these penalties instead of lightening them because we're suffering from the after effects of that. We'll get your reactions to that. Uh, we'll open up the phones in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show as we continue on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Father, preacher, friend, it's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Monday afternoon here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And uh, in addition to a great conversation that we had with Stanislaus County Sheriff uh, Jeff Dirksy, we also got uh, this uh, note from... Uh, reporter Ashley Zavala up in uh, Sacramento that the governor has signed a new executive order today directing the state water board to consider a ban on watering decorative lawns at businesses and institutions and urging local water suppliers to move further with water-saving efforts. And uh, with that, there was also a note, uh, apparently, from California EPA, uh, the California EPA secretary about the need for more water conservation as the state wraps up a uh, dry January through March season. The quote was, our lives here in California are really going to be shaped by water scarcity going forward. What's frustrating to me is that this does not have to be. This does not have to be. If our governors, if our uh, our legislators in the in the Senate and the California ha- Assembly have been doing their job over the past couple of decades, we can survive droughts without that wonderful word draconian measures. It's just maddening, frustrating to me that it's always our fault. Well, you're not conserving enough. Well, uh, in order to do that, you have to make the sacrifices. Let me review this. Do you understand, and some of you who own businesses or at least manage them are, are probably familiar with this. Businesses and institutions, commercial property, when you move in or when you develop a site, the planning commission most of the time demands that you put in nice landscaping. That's not an option. That's something that the planning commission usually demands that you do. You don't get approval for going forward unless you submit a landscaping plan that meets with their approval. All right, so here's here's the problem. You have all of these institutions and businesses who complied with all the local regulations and all the local uh, planning requirements for those wonderful landscaping things to make their property look nice and inviting and pleasing to the city as a whole. And now they're being told, but don't water them. No, don't we government demanded you have them, but don't water them now. Or 
change them over, retrofit them to rock or cacti, I guess, whatever doesn't require a lot of water. And it's just frustrating to me that it's always our fault in terms of business. It's never the legislators. For that. How Have you ever heard, well, maybe that's an overstatement. How many times, let me pose it this way. How many times have you heard at least a state legislator say the drought problem that we're having is our fault? How many times have you heard a governor say the water problems we're having, the drought problems we're having right now is our fault at the governor level? Not not often. In fact, I haven't heard it uh, recently at all. But here we go. And then there's that old slippery slope. You can bet I won't wager with you, but I'm thinking of the probability that if this goes into effect, that they put the clamps on businesses and institutions, then uh, residential watering is not far behind. Uh, because any uh, any state regulations or any state money uh, that inures to uh, local water agencies, management uh, agencies, cities, counties, etc., of course, they're going to demand that uh, that they have residences cut back. And uh, again, it's not that I advocate extravagant and wasteful use of water. Not at all. I believe in conservation. I believe in reasonable standards, don't you? 209-551-3483. Do you think this proposal of the governor and possibly the CWB to clamp down on water use by businesses and institutions, do you think that's fair to them? when the state has done pretty much nothing to help the water conservation issue for a long time. And I come back to uh, a notice we, uh, we had this morning. According to the California Tax Foundation earlier this month, this from uh, Julie Ryan from KFBK, California has a budget surplus of about $45.7 billion with a B. Why aren't we using, I mean, water is so critical to us. Why aren't we assigning a lot of that, the lion's share of that, to dealing with water issues? Why? 209-551-3483. I'm not just being rhetorical in my question there. I really would like to know why you think our legislators uh, and our governors refuse to do anything. Why are they not doing anything? Well, like to hear from you. 209-551-3483. Just maddening. A couple of uh, weeks ago, we had a great conversation with some folks from uh, MID and TID, Modesto Irrigation District and Turlock Irrigation District. A wonderful conversation. We talked about a lot of the challenges that they face. And what it comes down to is my opinion, and you're welcome to push back on me if you'd like. My opinion is that our legislators are in a bubble. 
They're in a protective bubble up in Sacramento and Washington, D.C., and at times like this, it's maddening and frustrating to me that they're in that bubble and they don't seem to care one iota about you and me. What do they care about? Well, look at their press releases. Again, I I encourage you to look at their press releases. Take a look at who represents your districts in the state. Take a look at who represents your districts in Washington, D.C. Take a look at our state senators. What are their press releases about? And look at what we're fighting as the common people, as the uh, serfs, in this ridiculous system we have here in California right now. And it's no wonder people are leaving. It's just absurd. When will common sense come to Sacramento and to Washington, D.C.? Again, I point to November 2022. You do what you think is best, but my encouragement to you is to gather the information so that you make an informed decision. I encourage you not to make a decision just based upon political party. I'm as frustrated, and you may say, well, you're just just Republican down the line. Listen, there are some Republicans that I think need to be ousted. There are some Republicans uh, locally and nationally that drive me nuts. And I I just uh, wish they'd be voted out as well. I, I want legislators in Sacramento and in Washington, D.C., who actually care about you and me and who are not wrapped up in the power and the money and the control that they seem to think they need to have. And Governor Newsom just continues to frustrate me day after day after day as he is in his gubernatorial bubble up there with his, I think, a very arrogant attitude toward us. And I know you say, Mike, you're getting a little wrapped around the axle here. I am. We're talking about the economic survival of our state. We're talking about the survival of businesses. We're talking about the survival of folks who are on limited incomes. And you start to to enact these types of draconian measures, and it does trickle down. It does trickle down. And, of course, uh, you probably heard uh, President Biden is, is uh, now preparing uh, to whack the billionaires with a new tax. Say, well, they're rich people. It doesn't affect us. Yes, it does affect us. It ultimately affects us. Absolutely. It trickles down because a lot of those billionaires are the people who hire people in California. They're the people who create wealth. They're the people who create businesses. And and we can't take this attitude of lazy fear. Well, they're just uh, they're just rich people. They can afford it. Not so. November 2022. All right, we'll talk more about that and that little award show that happened yesterday and what happened there. Coming up in five minutes on the Mike Douglas Show. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The show you love with even more local news and more local reaction. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Monday afternoon. And it's... uh, I was, 
a little flummoxed over the weekend, as I had told you last week. My plan was to uh, engage the services of Mr. John Deere, who is uh, parked in my uh, garage, in order to take care of the titanium weeds on my property. And, uh, and fired, uh, fired him up, and turns out that uh, the belt went sideways and off, and so I had to order a new belt. Well, the belt arrived, and I went to install the new belt, and the tensioner spring gave out. And so uh, now I'm waiting for the tensioner spring. Spring. Meanwhile, the titanium weeds are out there on our property, scoffing at me, laughing at me. But the positive thing is that the uh, the mailbox snake has not yet appeared this season. I'm hoping maybe he went somewhere else. All right, uh, we've been. Uh, Having a, had a great interview, uh, first hour. Welcome to the second hour, by the way, of the Mike Douglas Show today here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Great conversation with Sheriff Jeff Dirksy, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about crime issues later on in the hour. But there was, uh, I guess, an award show last night. I don't, as, as I explained to you, I don't tune in to the Oscars, to the Academy Awards anymore. I, I just, it's become so political that I, I just, uh, I, I know I grit my teeth when I do turn in or tune in rather. And so I, I just, I quit watching it and I, I rarely go to movies. I see maybe one a year uh, in 2021. It was the, uh, the final uh, James Bond movie uh, for, uh, the series with Daniel. Okay, I'm blanking out right now. But anyway, uh, he. I thought he did an extraordinarily good job. I think it was one of the best James Bond movies ever. And I guess it it won a uh, an award for uh, for music. But I I just don't get to the movies, and I don't have time to watch a lot of them. I you know if they're major movies, and it's one I'm interested in. I would like to see Dune. I'll probably stream it at some point when I have absolutely nothing to do, which is uh, highly irregular and very rare. However, however, and I wasn't going to talk about the awards for that reason. However, last night there was, and I'm sure you're familiar with it now, uh, Will Smith came up out of the audience and slapped Chris Rock, I think, in the face after the comedian made a joke at the expense of uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, and uh, that's uh, Will Smith's wife. And a lot of people were saying, well, was, uh, was that a setup? Was that just to juice up the show? I don't know. I've watched it a couple of times on, on ver- from various angles. Don't know. But uh, here's uh, j- just so you're familiar with it. Here's what caused it. This is Chris Rock uh, making the joke, or at least the end of the joke. And then when you hear uh, Chris Rock react, I think he says something like, oh, wow, or, or something to that effect. That's when Will Smith came up out of the audience. Initially, apparently, Will Smith was laughing at the joke, apparently looked at his wife, who wasn't act, uh, laughing, and then walked up to the stage, slapped Chris Rock, went back to his seat, and you'll hear uh, some of that conversation here. I just want to give you the context uh, because I think there are bigger issues we need to talk about here. So here's apparently how this went down last night. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. I'm out here. Uh-oh, Richard. 
Oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a G.I. Jane joke. All right, so Chris Rock was making a G.I. Jane joke. Will Smith's wife had starred in G.I. Jane, and he had made reference to her hair, and she has a, a disease. Is it alpecia? Uh, a disease where your hair falls out. And uh, originally, apparently, Will Smith was laughing, uh, but she wasn't, and so uh, then... There we go. So, did you watch this, or ha- have you seen a a clip of it? Do you think it was an appropriate reaction by Will Smith? Do you think it was an appropriate reaction? I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Our telephone number here, 209-551-3483. Believe me, on Friday when I signed off with you, I had no intention of talking about the Academy Awards today, the Oscars, none at all, but I think this is important. And so I'd like to get your read. Do you think it was an appropriate action by Will Smith to go up, apparently unscripted, and slap Chris Rock in the face for Will Smith's perceived insult to Will Smith's wife about G.I. Jane and a G.I. Jane 2? Uh, by the way, she uh, apparently keeps her uh, head shaved because of uh, the the disease where her hair falls out, which is which is fine. A, a couple of things I'd like to explore with you about this. Number one, if someone is physically assaulting my wife, now assault means you haven't necessarily connected yet, but you have the ability and the capacity to cause harm. If someone is ready to assault my wife, believe me, I go into defensive mode. And if my wife were attacked, I go into full offensive mode. And my goal is within 10 to 15 seconds to take the attacker down. I won't go into how or why. I will call upon my law enforcement training and other training I have received since being in law enforcement. But my goal is to neutralize the threat as soon as possible. The first order of business when there is a perceived threat is to avoid the threat if at all possible. If it's not possible, if it looks like there's going to be physical violence, believe me, I will go into defensive mode. And this uh, not only is for my wife, but for my children. And frankly, if you and I are out in public somewhere, and uh, I don't know why, where we'd be, but let's say that you and I are out there and there's a perceived physical threat and it's impossible for you and I to avoid that threat, I will go into action. And so... But that wasn't the case here. That was not the case here. And I'm not a huge Chris Rock fan. Are you? I'm. I, he's, he's a great comedian, makes a lot of money at it. Uh, he, he is an established comedian. What do comedians do in these types of shows? They make fun of people. That's what they do. That's their job. 
That's what they've done for decades. As, as long as television and radio has been around and comedians have been on television and radio, reverse the order, radio and then television, comedians make fun of things and they make fun of people. That's what they do. The problem today is we have no sense of humor anymore. And you say, well, it's not, not funny. Well, that was Chris Rock's choice. As a com- and and if, if we don't like his comedy, then we don't pay for it. We don't pay to see it, or we don't watch the Academy Awards show that he's hosting. But do you think it's appropriate for Will Smith? Let, let's say it's your way. Let's say that you are a well-known actor or actress, and that your spouse is in the audience, and Chris Rock is up there, and he makes a funny comment at the expense of your spouse. For ladies, your husband. For men, your wife. Or your significant other, whatever it might be. Do you think it's appropriate appropriate to go up and slap the guy? That's battery. There's a California Penal Code section for battery, and it has penalties attached to it that involve fines and jail time. What Will Smith did was a crime. Now, I think to his credit, Chris Rock handled it well. Again, I'm not a huge Chris Rock fan. A lot of his humor is not something that I am attracted to, but I always believe in giving credit where credit is due. I think Chris Rock handled it well, and he tried to make light of it. You you heard that. He tried to make light of it a little bit. And apparently he told the LAPD and, and the Academy, no, I'm, I'm not going to press charges against Will Smith. I think that was a, a wise and noble thing to do. But on Will Smith's part, and I was sad to hear about this because I think Will Smith is a great actor. I have enjoyed, I don't enjoy all of his movies, but there are some I really enjoyed. And I, I think both in, in uh, the comedic vein as, all, as well as in the dramatic vein, he has done both, I think, extremely well. Not too fond of his politics, but that's not why I watch him. I watch him uh, to do a great job as an actor. I think he's an excellent actor. And I thought this was in, not just inappropriate, but it sends a message to young people that this is the way that men respond to words, to insults. What do you think? Was this, a, was this a bad reaction to that? Was this an appropriate reaction to that? Our number here, 209-551-3483. Our number, 209-551-3483. At least, do you think that the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences ought to have some kind of disciplinary action? What happened later on? You know what happened there? He came back. He got the award for Best Actor, I believe. Am I right? Yes. Lead Actor for King Richard. And he got a standing ovation, and he apologized to everybody but Chris Rock. I think this sends a horrible message to young people who probably are looking up to Will Smith, thinking, wow, that's here's an African-American actor who's made it. And a role model? 
Not so much after last night. Our number here, 209-551-3483. We'll continue the conversation in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Thanks so much for joining us again. Uh, my favorite time of the day between 3 and 5 when you and I get to talk about the issues of the day that affect us here in the Central Valley of California. Always appreciate the way you form your opinions and uh, communicate them. Uh, again, just a, a joy to talk Talk to you. So let's get on with that conversation at 209-551-3483. Been talking about the little dust up last night between uh, Chris Rock, or let me put it this way, Will Smith and Chris Rock. Let's get your read on it. Do you think Will Smith's actions were appropriate under the circumstances? 209-551-3483. We'll go up to Oakdale and Kathleen. Kathleen, a good Monday to you. Thanks for calling. What are your thoughts? Well, I think uh, Will Smith had a, a temper flare and that temper flares do not discipline um, the friendship um, the way Will Smith would have liked it to, and that in the long run that the um, the friendship that he has with Chris Rock will prevail, but for the time being, uh, Will Smith's temper flared, and so um, there is a, still an open question there as to who was violated and what the violation was, and clearly to me, Will Smith uh, was violated, and um, what the violation was was the uh, Chris the joke told by Chris Rock, and um, so um, I think that uh, we just have to let this let this be handled uh, that way. But except that we should talk about what should people do when they're in a circumstance like Will Smith Thank and you. their yes. friendship discipline is being violated. Exactly, Kathleen. I think that's the big deal is what do we learn from this? Those lessons learned. I think my kids who are now in their mid to late 20s probably got tired of hearing about life lessons. And what what can we learn from this particular situation? Uh, and and I, I think you're right, Kathleen. We need we need to talk about this not only amongst ourselves, but especially with impressionable children. We'll talk about you know we all all make mistakes, and we think Will Smith made one if if we think so. And uh, what you know what other options should he have had? And I think you presented a, a good one there, Kathleen. At have a discussion. The two know each other, right? They're, they're, they have a friendship. And uh, to, uh, to have that confrontation in, a, in another way that doesn't involve uh, physicality. Uh, so I, I think, Kathleen, you got a great point there. I like the way that, that you approached it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for calling. A, a good, good opinion and good thought there. I'm, w- I'm with Kathleen. Uh, that, that we should talk about that, especially if our children happen to be watching it. Now, mine are in their, again, mid to late 20s. I'm not going to have that conversation because uh, they, 
don't first of all i'm pretty sure they weren't watching and second of all you know they're they're adults uh, happy to converse with them about it, but I, I think impressionable children. And, and these, these these are the same principles that uh, come, to, come to play with some of our sports figures as well. When they have temper tantrums, and I like what, uh, I like what Kathleen called it, uh, Will Smith uh, had a temper flare. And again, I, I was sorry to see that because I do think he's a great actor. I think he's very talented. He's very gifted. And will the, do you think that this incident is going to affect his marketability as, uh, as an actor in the future? Of course, you never know with Hollywood. Maybe it will help it. Who knows? Maybe it Maybe it won't. Uh, but again, I, I think part of the discussion has to come back to Chris Rock and how he handled it. Chris Rock could have handled it in a couple of ways. Could he have not have, right? Chris Rock could have slugged him back. Chris Rock could have railed at him. Chris Rock could have walked off the set. What did he do? You know, it's the old spirit of showmanship. The show must go on little quick story about that very quickly. Uh, as you know, I have uh, been a uh, part-time illusionist uh, in, during my life for some 40-plus years. And uh, I was doing a, a special magical effect uh, with what we call the linking rings. And, uh, and, and right before that, I had done a cut-and-restored rope routine where you cut the rope and you restore it magically and it's all together. What I did not know was that I had accidentally, with the scissors, cut part of the top of my finger off. <laughs> I did not know. it. Seriously, very sharp scissors. And so as I'm doing the linking rings, I'm holding them up before the audience. I see little red drops coming off the bottom of the rings. I'm like, something is wrong here. My assistant is having uh, a conniption fit in the wings. She's gesturing to me. And uh, and so I, I just calmly said, oh, well, appeared I had an accident with the uh, scissors and, uh, uh, and, and my assistant, her name is Lori as well, not my wife, but a, another Lori. I said, would you please give me a Band-Aid and we'll keep things going? So I just stopped the effect for a minute, you know, put the Band-Aid on my finger and kept going. It's these types of things where if you're in the entertainment business, the show must go on. The show must go on. And I think Chris Rock performed admirably in that particular commitment to the entertainment venue. His job was to keep it going. Again, his job was to keep it going. It is his call about whether or not, and this is not just assault, this is battery. Assault is having the capacity to hurt someone. Battery is when you actually do it. It's battery. He committed a crime under the California Penal Code, but really it's Chris Rock's call as to whether or not he wants to prosecute. Uh, at this point, to my understanding, Chris Rock is saying, nope, don't want to, don't want to prosecute. We'll deal with it in another way. I think that is also admirable. I do. Uh, I think he has the right, every right. Uh, what do you think? Do you think he ought to prosecute Will Smith? Do you think Will Smith ought to be charged? And that Chris Rock ought to uh, sign a complaint. 
209-551-3483. Again, my opinion, Chris Rock handled the situation well. Will Smith did not. And I'm not a fan of the foul language that he was using in public. He knew it was a live show. I'm not a fan of that either. Well, that's being prudish. No, it's just courtesy to others. We don't use that kind of language as a courtesy to others, in my opinion. Well, we'll talk uh, more about that and also uh, more about crime. And uh, I want to get an interview in uh, uh, some comments by former Governor Chris Christie. Very interesting. All that's coming up in five minutes on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Local Talk is back in the valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. And we've had the uh, opportunity to uh, talk about crimes, the Academy Awards, but also we've been talking about uh, whispers and updates from Washington, D.C., that President Biden is proposing a new tax on the rich upon billionaires. And that involves uh, unrealized capital gains. I'm not going to unpack that uh, at the moment, but it, it, it it's another way of demonizing people who are wealthy. And it's, it's another way, basically, of creating class warfare, in my opinion. Let's get yours. Uh, what do you think about tax increases for the rich? Our number here, 209-551-3483. Let's find out what Lucille has to say about that. Hi, Lucille. What are your thoughts? Uh, Hello. Um, I spent a good part of the weekend reading Glenn Beck's book on The Great Reset. That's number one on Amazon. And um, I understand the modern monetary theory better now. I'm amazed at how many of the world's leaders and elites actually believe in this, it sounds like, and they think they can just print out all the money they want. They don't have to budget like households. And that doesn't mean that they'll lower our taxes. They, according to him and, and some of this stuff I read, which he seems well-researched, is um, – then they'll use taxes to penalize us and to manipulate our behavior and also use an ESG uh, scores uh, to facilitate that. I found an, a little E on my uh, garbage bill after they dumped off two extra garbage cans, couldn't wait to charge me, and then, uh, and then didn't pick up the next two times. Um, Anyway, like the gas rebate, the more they spent, the more inflation we're going to have, which is going to put a burden on us. And like the gas rebates, if they give us a rebate, it sounds like um, uh, 
they're going to. I heard Biden say he something about taxing oil and gas more or something. Yeah, Lu- and if Lu- they do that, Lucille, you you brought up uh, you brought up some great points, and let, let me park on a couple of them at the moment. Uh, good point. By the way, uh, regardless if you're a listener or not to uh, Glenn Beck, I think it's worthy to take a look at his book, uh, The Great Reset. Uh, it, it's worth reading. Uh, I really do. I, re- I recommend it as as Lucille has. She, uh, Lucille just talked about the ESG score. ESG standing for, I'm doing this from memory, uh, Lucille, but uh, E stands for environment, S for uh, social, often social justice, G for govern- governance. And the thesis that he's presenting is that uh, it, now and in the future, if things don't turn around, we may not be able to get loans if we don't have a good ESG score, which means if we don't have by, by look for example, if a loan company is going to give us a loan and they're looking at our purchasing history, if it appears that we are not environmentally conscious, conscious, if it appears that we aren't, uh, woke enough, if it appears that, uh, we criticize big government, and the governance of the time that will get a low ESG score, and they may well say, nope, sorry, can't have your loan. This is the danger of it. And uh, so, Lucille, thank you very much. Bring up uh, some great points. Uh, and, and thank you for doing research, Lucille. I admire that, and, and many of you do that, and I encourage that uh, very much. Uh, let's go back to the phones, 209 Three four eight three. What do you think of more taxes and taxing the rich? Let's go to Modesto and Nick. Good Monday to you, Nick. What do you think? I think everybody needs to pay their fair share of taxes, regardless of if you're rich or middle class or whatever. Everybody needs to pay their fair share. There's billionaires in this country that don't pay a dime. You know who they are. I know who they are. Uh, and that's, that's not a fair system. This year I paid... $131,000 in federal and state income tax. I've paid six figures since I can remember uh, uh, for federal and state income tax. And I consider myself probably middle, upper class. Um, you know, I'm not wealthy, I'm not rich, but I'm, I'm probably upper middle class. So everybody needs to pay their fair share. And probably the best way to do that, even though this is not going to happen, is to remove our current system of taxation and uh, just have a sales tax, a national sales tax. That way, if you're working for cash or if you're getting paid whatever, whatever you buy, uh, whatever consumptions that you buy, you're going to be paying taxes on it. That's just my opinion. But yeah. I, I, good good people, thought. There's, good. there's billionaires. There's billionaires in this country that don't pay a squat in taxes because those tax laws are, are designed uh, for them. Uh, and, you know, people like me who are what I consider middle upper class are getting hosed. Uh, I understand getting hosed by taxes. I, I think you have a good point, Nick, and I agree with you that we need to reha- rehaul uh, the system. Uh, what do you think of the, and, and you mentioned a, a national sales tax, what do you think about a flat tax? Would that be uh, appropriate, or do you think that would be abused as well? Well, again, you're going to uh, you're going to miss out on 
people uh, who, you know, are going to, that are working for cash or don't show income. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, just on radio programs, like, your, you know, your station, it seems like there's so many of these um, people that are uh, advertising. If you haven't paid your taxes or the IRS is on you, give us a call and we can, we can help you with the settlement. That's a crock. Everybody needs to pay their share. I agree. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, I would be more inclined to a, a national sales tax than a flat tax because, again, you're you're not gonna you're gonna have people who still are not gonna pay. You can't avoid a sales tax. You can't avoid a consumption tax. If you buy a car or if you buy a new pair of shoes, you're gonna pay tax on that, and uh, you know. That's just my opinion. All right. So, uh, Nick, uh, well, well said, well formulated. Uh, thank you for the call. Uh, Nick Nick pointing out that if we had a national uh, sales tax, that for those people who get paid in cash or they get paid under the table or they have these uh, very convoluted offshore accounts, if they have shell corporations, whatever it might be, it would eliminate a lot of that because you can't avoid a sales tax. When you buy the product or whatever it is, you have to pay the tax. So Nick is saying he's in favor of a national sales tax because then you can't avoid it. Everybody has to pay it. Everybody has to pay their fair share. Interesting thought, Nick. Thanks for uh, thanks for bringing that up to us. Again, uh, Nick from Modesto, uh, appreciate the call. Uh, we're going to continue talking about money and ESG scores at 209-551-3483. Let's go back to Modesto and Eric. Uh, Eric, what are your thoughts about taxation, ESG scores, and all of these wonderful things that are assaulting us right now? Well, I wanted to comment just real quick on the ESG score. Um, It's already kind of gone into effect in a way when uh, I think it was Michael Lindell, the, his banks kind of dropped his, uh, his business because of that very thing. Um, so it's already started. If that makes sense. No, I, I, I agree with you. And I think uh, Mike Lindell is a good example, Eric. Absolutely. And I, I don't, I don't know if, um, well, I, I don't want to name any other names without having the facts in front of me, but I, I would agree. I think Mike Lindell is probably a provable point on this. And the the danger of this whole ESG score is that we will we can't control it through government or the legislature. Uh, it's private business. It's the banks that are going to enforce it. And so uh, it's out of our hands. It's out of our control. And that's the, the dastardly part of this. I, I think Eric, uh, have, have you run up against that at all in, in any of your purchases or loans or, or whatever? No, but I'm, um, I don't in the business that I, that I do, I, I can see it. Um, I can see something like that coming, um, as far as, um, I, I'm a marriage and family therapist. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a conservative. Um, I'm a Christian. And so here in California, it's getting really hard to kind of uh, be two of those three. Um, so, you know, it wouldn't be too hard to 
to uh, look up some of those things about me and figure out that out about me. So, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for that to drop one day, unfortunately. Yeah, a- absolutely. And it's something I always have in the back of my mind, uh, Eric, because my opinions are fairly public <laughs> on the air. And uh, right, I, exactly. <laughs> I am at some point I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I think God has protected me from that thus far. Uh, but with that, Eric, uh, I'm not going to let that intimidate me. Uh, I'm going to stand for what I believe is true. And I think if all of us are willing to do that, then uh, then we have a very strong voice. Eric, great call, great point. Thank you very yeah. much for Thank calling you. and for listening. All right, Eric from Modesto. Thank you. And again, I, I, I agree with the concept, again, going back to, to Nick for a moment, uh, of fair taxation. You know, everybody needs to pay their fair share. I agree with that. What we define as fair share, that's the sticky wicket. What does it mean, a fair share? And uh, Nick Nick saying, well, if you have to pay a national sales tax, you can't avoid it. Like what uh, Eric talked about, and that is as far as the ESG scores go, uh, it we, we can already see uh, Mike Lindell having been victimized by that to a degree. And uh, so I, I think it's coming, and the question is, how are we all going to deal with it? Our number here, 209-551-3483. We'll continue the discussion in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Father, preacher, friend. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk, 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. A quick uh, update here. I've just learned that apparently Representative Josh Harder, uh, congressman from our area, will introduce a bill on Wednesday, apparently to send a $500 gas rebate uh, check to taxpayers. Uh, No income cap at all. Uh, Apparently he's saying the goal is to simplify the process and uh, get to get help out as soon as possible. Up in Sacramento, apparently Republicans not happy. Uh, They are discussing in the Assembly Transportation uh, Committee, apparently, amendments to the gas tax holiday bill. Uh, They're saying the Democrats are playing games with it, so apparently they're not too happy what's going on. All right, getting back to our discussion of finances and uh, ESG scores and such, let's go back to the phones, 209 Five five one three four eight three. Ed from Lodi. What are your thoughts about the ESG scores? Oh, good afternoon, Mike. Um, well, I don't like to. I don't think they should exist. To be honest with you, um, we are putting a social and you know, environmental thing on a financial thing, and who chooses the social? And who chooses the environmental? Mm. Um, I think in many cases you could argue that people that say they're environmentalists and stuff um, don't always have you know a real good science behind them. And you know we we have this discussion on so many things, whether it was the masks and other things. But uh, you know we always argue the science. And I don't think there should be a means testing on people. Um, you know uh, th- this this is very un-American. And um, they're also looking at doing things like, uh, what is it, uh, um, you know, um, 
trying to think of the term right now, and I, my mind's blinking, but the, it's like the the um, unrealized gains, and they might tax you on that. Say your house goes up in value. Um, until you sell that house, you don't have any real wow. money. And um, it it is uh, – well, these kind of things I have a real problem with, and uh, I'm just now going to read that book. I just got it, and I'm going to be reading it. And uh, wow. sorry, that's my dog in the background if you hear it. <laughs> um <laughs> Anyway, uh, um, but I I don't like means testing as a means for taxing or whatever. I, I agree there's got to be some uh, form of, of equitable uh, taxation on people. I think no matter what system you get, somebody will find a way around it. True. And I guess uh, this scares me, but if they digitize everything, then I guess you would know what everybody pays for everything, But and I don't want that to happen either. But I could see a black market forming and people not paying taxes for that. I mean, that already exists in some ways. Um, I don't know. But I, I do think that, uh, you know, all this, you know, let's just tax the richest people, you know, who, by the way, hire people. Um, you know, that just removes a little bit of that money. And uh, if you can get money to, to, to move around a lot, it creates more money. And so the more you encumber that, the less there is an economy, in, in my opinion. So Absolutely. I, uh, I would like – Anyway, that's where I go. <laughs> very good, Ed. Thanks for your call. Appreciate that uh, very much. And uh, I know the tune with a dog like that. Uh, we deal with that all the time. No problem at all, my friend. <laughs> all right, Ed, thanks for the call. Uh, Ed mentioned, by the way, and and this is inherent, at least in the proposal right now, being uh, offered by President Biden in his uh, his new uh, budget proposal, and that is that he's uh, tagging billionaires. I believe I don't know what the cap is there. I'm sorry, I don't have that in front of me. But uh, that w- with uh, I think it's twenty percent. I could be wrong on that. I'm doing this from memory from this morning. Twenty uh, percent uh, unrealized capital gains tax. So here here's the scenario. Let's say. You buy a house, and uh, in your neighborhood, and you have to pay taxes, and you you pay whatever you have to pay, right? You, you pay, you're done. You move in. Well, let's say that the house next door to you is very similar to you, and for the sake of argument, let's say that uh, it originally was the same value as your house, but. It now sells for, let's say, $50,000 more than your house. Well, if you're included in the category of people who have to pay this tax, you're going to have to pay that extra $50,000 even though it was not your house. Because the, the tax people say, well, it's an unrealized capital gain. In other words, you didn't get the money. It didn't get put into your account. Uh, You didn't uh, buy something for that amount. No, it's your neighbor had their property appreciate to the point where you have to pay extra taxes. That's just, well, unfair doesn't even describe it. And so, but I also agree, Ed, with your assessment, no matter what we do, and I'm going back to, I'm going back to. I think it was Nick's uh, comment about a, uh, a, a national sales tax. No matter what you do, somebody because there are some brilliant people out there who will always figure out a way to get around it. 
I don't know how you would get around the, the flat sales tax, but in, in other realms, of course, no matter what kind of tax regulation it is, either someone with some brilliantly firing synapses or an attorney or attorneys that have brilliantly firing synapses, they will find ways to get around it. And so there's where the unfairness comes in. And I, I believe that taxes need to be paid because we need to deal with infrastructure. We, we need to apply that uh, to roads and such. We need to apply taxes uh, to law enforcement and, and fire services and such. So, so there are categories of things that I think are necessary for our taxes to support, but not the draconian, out-of-this-world taxes and the convoluted, complicated tax structure we have. Well, we'll Come back tomorrow and begin the discussions again here on the Mike Douglas Show. I'll see you tomorrow at 3 here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Have a great night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.